This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, why is Meta, formerly known as Facebook, losing so much value? Social media expert Jesse Miller shares why consumers are ditching the platform of Facebook and how Meta is still making money. Plus, how is that whole Metaverse thing coming along? Sir Christopher Gilbert is back on the shift. After battling a bout of COVID, he shares with us his experience, plus a very proud dad from the Olympics who had absolutely no filter on live TV. Plus, he doesn't even remember being on live TV. Plus, are you okay with Ottawa? This is the Shift Podcast. Are you okay with Ottawa? Hmm. I love Ottawa. Never been. Really? Dad lives there. Never. My dad lives there. My best, my oldest friend lives there. My partner Laura's no. oldest friend lives there. Never. When been. you say oldest friend, do you mean like longest friend? Yes. Longest, time? longest friend. Oh. Yeah. Not like yeah. a seventy. Five-year-old No, person. no, like we've been friends since grade four. Okay. Grade four, yeah. So, no, they all live there, and I really want to go to the War Museum. It's like a bucket list place. You talk about the really? Rideau Canal, I want to go spend like eight hours inside the War Museum. Yeah. Yep. So let's go. We talked yeah. about it. We tried to go. Let's plan it right yeah. now. Count me in. Okay. Um, if you can find $200 for flights, let me know. I, I will I will also search. If you can find two hundred dollar flights, let me know. Yeah. <laughs> I want to find those flights. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. All right, so we'll we're gonna plan it then. We're gonna plan it, and then uh, we'll we'll do the show from Ottawa. Okay, you can come over. We'll do the show from Ottawa. Well, you guys have fun with that. I guess. I'll just, oh, sorry, yeah, BK. I know. Oh man, yeah. I, I'll leave you out. Yeah. I like Ottawa. The, my problem that I've always had with. Ottawa is um, every just about every time I've gone in my adult years, I've indulged in substance like alcohol and party town. Party it was part. It's a party town for me. And beyond alcohol, yeah. one time I had a funny, it was a wild story. Had a funny cigarette and went and watched Parliament. No way. No, yeah. like you sat in and watched yeah, Parliament High? Yeah, went in. Yeah. That's amazing. It was wild. It was during, um, it was actually during that period when the NDP Liberal and, was it the Bloc, wanted to do the coalition to take down the Harper Conservatives? And it was that debate. <laughs> and I was watching that. I was just like, whoa, this is that's wild. Yeah. That would have felt like it was 12 hours long. It did. That would have, that's, I kind of want to try that. <laughs> you know. I, along with every shift head who's listening right now, wants to meet that Brendan Kelly. <laughs> yeah, holy. It's wild. It was. Yeah. Well, I just find it amazing that you went to a public place. I, I know. That well, before yeah. now. YOLO. <laughs> YOLO. Uh, if you don't know, Ryan's in Calgary. I'm just outside Calgary, and Brendan is in downtown Vancouver. So we uh, can't just all disappear and go together. But uh, let's plan it. Let's do it. Because I love Ottawa. I think it's fantastic. Um, I've never been to Parliament High like some people. Ooh, yeah. be, I feel like that's such a that Ryan now. O'Donnell thing to I do, know. right? Like, I don't feel like that's yeah. a Brennan Kelly thing. Yeah. Well, this out of my book. It's 2008. So I was basically Ryan. I was Ryan O'Donnell's age. So it makes Oh, good. Sense. Yeah. Mm. I mean, that makes sense. All right. Well, we need to restart this because I think there's been an ups, uh, a little oops here. Are you okay with Ottawa? Ohio. Oh, see there. Huh? Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, that works. That's funny. Ever get high and watch government in Ottawa, Ohio? There's an no. Ottawa, Ohio? No. Apparently there yeah. is. It's, a, it's a, like a sister city. There's also like, that's a weird thing I find in the United States. Is there's a lot of towns, like really tiny towns that have the same names as Canadian towns. I'm like, well, who made that decision? It's like, well, there's Vancouver, Washington, which is actually on the other side of the state. It's yeah. not, it's not like right across the border. A lot of people think that they're like, oh, Vancouver, Washington and Vancouver, BC are right on the border. across. I'm like, no, complete mm -hmm. other side of the state. Hmm. Yep. Calgary, Texas. That one actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I can see that. Well, then there's the UK influence, of course, because so many places mm -hmm. are named after places in the UK. So that's fair too. Um, like Banff, there's Banff over there too, which mm -hmm. is cool. Okay, so it's a real place, actually. It looks like it's about um, 
four inches south of Detroit on my map, oh, however God. far that is. I don't have a legend. Um, it's also east of Cleveland, south of Detroit. There you go. So it's in Ohio. It's a thing. Um, we, we know this because an unnamed man in Ohio called in a fake bomb threat. The dangerous ruse was aimed at police in Ottawa, except he seems to have called the Ottawa police in Ohio. According to the CBC, the individual only realized he reached police in the wrong Ottawa on Monday after calling in a second time to claim that he had been shot. As soon as the dispatcher advised him he had called Ohio, he said, wait, wait, I'm not shot. So he he might be facing charges. That's interesting. Um, I don't know how you backpedal that, but I also don't know mm-hmm. how Ottawa, Ohio charges him. I'm assuming he's maybe he was in the states. I don't know. He lives. Yeah, he is in Ohio. This guy is in Ohio. So he was a support. Well, the alleged, obviously, it's all alleged, and he's not charged. But what police believe is that a guy in Ohio was supporting the protest from the States by swatting, calling uh, in a fake bomb threat to Ottawa police, except he called the wrong one. So you're, you're uh, possibly, uh, based on this story, the allegation that you're claim, uh, sharing, not claiming, you're not claiming it, the allegation that you're claiming is that there is foreign interference in Ottawa. Oh, yeah. Attempted <laughs> very stupidly. <laughs> right. There was foreign interference in Ohio that was intended for Ottawa. Yeah. You'd think he might like flag it when he saw that the area code would be like familiar. Wouldn't you? <laughs> Wouldn't that maybe would so. hurt international? Unless call, he thought nine one one was got him Ottawa, Ontario. Man. man, that's not smart. Okay, well he might be facing charges, clearly, uh, for causing a a, a disturbance and all those things. So we will see where that goes. Here's another example of a fake bomb threat going in a very unexpected direction. Some scary moments for customers at a Kansas Home Depot. Police responded to reports of a bomb threat at the store in Wichita. A customer alerted employees. A man inside the bathroom said there was a bomb in the building. Police were able to locate the man responsible for those comments. And that man told police he warned other guests to leave the restroom because he was, quote, uh, fixing to blow it up. But had no intention of causing a panic. Man also told police others in the room laughed, understanding his joke, which I'm just now getting. <laughs> Home Depot says they will not be pressing charges. But I can tell you right now, you asked the producer for me to read that, didn't you? <laughs> to Ethan now, please. No. <laughs> We're going to have to go to a commercial. No, we're going to get it. We're going to get it. Sometimes you just got to blow it up. You know what? I love the fact that she admitted as it was unfolding in front of her, and she was like, and I'm just getting this now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, she knew. Yeah, that's how you take it. That's how you take it. You got to own it. When it goes over your head, that's the best way to respond. You got to own it. That was KY3 News, uh, that story. Are you okay with getting ID'd? Ooh. <laughs> yeah, oh, you're, I know you're laughing at You're laughing at the typo. I'm actually really glad you're laughing at this because I was going to bring this up on the show. As I was typing this, I had absolutely no idea, excuse me, how to write ID'd, like in a way to read it properly. I actually f- froze for a second and I went, what needs to go at the end of this D? So um, I left it broken. Okay, the way it reads is, and I just, I said it, and then I realized, it. are you okay to, Are you okay with getting I'd? Yeah. As in I would. Are you okay mm-hmm. with getting I would? I would be okay <sighs> if I would know what was going on right now. Oh. oh man, I don't know what this Ooh. one's about. <laughs> That's a typo. Okay, um, I think I did would be ID apostrophe ID. D. Yeah, I did. Yeah, ID. ID. Apostrophe D. I did. 
Are you okay with getting ID'd? Oh, that was fun. Needed a good laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be a great feeling if you get asked to show ID if you're older or frustrating if you are younger because older people want to be younger and younger people want to be older and the grass is always greener on the other side of that fence. Mm-hmm. There is terrifying anticipation that comes with giving someone fake ID, though. My name, it's McLovin. McLovin? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, what's your first name? What? Your first name. My first name? T- technically, I don't have a first name, so... Can I see your ID? Yeah, I think I have it. You're an organ donor. <laughs> what? what? I didn't want to be one, but my wife insisted. <laughs> That's from the uh, Superbad movie, by the yeah. way. Classic. Um, yeah, the woman in this story, not that story about McLovin, but the story here with Ryan's fake I would. Mm-hmm. Um, the woman in the story handed police neither real or fake ID. Neither? Which would you neither. say? Neither or neither? Neither a fake or a real ID. Neither? Yeah, neither in that neither. context. Taking Ryan's tip there. Handed uh, police neither a real or fake ID. Guelph police said the woman handed over an LCBO gift card to officers. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> not Instead of her driver's license. When they asked her for her driver's license, she handed them an LCBO gift card. <laughs> I've done that. Maybe not with an LCBO gift card, but I've handed the wrong oh. thing before. I've done that. I've done it. In a news release on Friday, police said they pulled over a vehicle at around 2.30 a.m. after it was spotted driving erratically at the University of Guelph campus. According to the service, after being asked the driver, after asking the driver for her license, she instead produced an LCBO gift card while denying she had been drinking. However, officers could detect an odor of alcohol beverage, the police said. The woman failed a roadside breathalyzer test and further testing at the station confirmed she had more than the legal limit of alcohol in her system. The 19-year-old woman from the Orangeville area has been charged with impaired driving. Her license, which police managed to get a hold of, has been suspended for 90 days and the vehicle has been impounded for 14 days. She's scheduled to make a court appearance on February 22nd. Um, No word if she spent the gift card yet. Yeah. Did she just use that gift card to buy booze? Uh, apparently not. I mean, she yeah. could get lucky that she's not, like, get in trouble for, like, bribing or something. Here you go, officer. <laughs> Have a drink. <laughs> I mean, I've done it, like, in my younger days when I was closer to Ryan's age, like, handing my library card to the bouncer by accident and things like that mm-hmm. outside the bar. Probably in Ottawa, to be honest, but, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no kidding. You probably handed over your ID to get into Parliament so you could watch. You thought you were oh, going through into the bar. Oh, going through the metal detectors like that? I was just like, oh, oh my God. I was, that's terrifying. It was heightened. Yeah. I don't know what this is, so I am completely interested in your experience of these things because this has never been my jam. Um, all right. Are you okay with plant-based foods? Hmm. You see, I... I like plant-based foods. I just don't like fake meat foods. The imitation stuff. You don't like that. Yeah. I'm I don't like that as like the I like that as a an alternative sometimes. If uh, I know I've had a bunch of beef all week, I'm like sure, if I'm going to have a burger tastes somewhat the same, costs like a buck more, why not? Sure. Um even uh even like most restaurants now carry the Beyond Meat or the Impossible branded stuff. And it's fine. But I do notice that once I started doing the meal plan kits with groceries and I got better at every meal having a vegetable in it, I feel way better having the vegetables at least once a day. Mm-hmm. You got to have that. That food pyramid was not lying. I um I find that the... So I went to a place in Calgary. Oh, what was it called? It was. It's down on Seventeenth Avenue. It's a veggie place. It's like has to do with a bird. It's oh, called like Chirp. Uh, v, v Burger or oh the Coop. No, the Coop. The Coop. The full vegan. Thank restaurant. you. It was very good. 
It was very good. Um, it's a full, full veggie place. And so when I, with a friend, with a veggie friend. So when I went, I ordered a burger, but it wasn't a Beyond Meat burger. It wasn't a, a fake meat burger. It wasn't anything. It was basically a giant sort of portobello mushroom that was seasoned to be the burger on a bun and it was dressed up like a burger. Oh, okay. Th- that was fantastic. Oh. It was great. It was basically the, the burger patty was the mushroom. So I thoroughly enjoyed that because I wasn't trying to pretend it was something else. I'm like, oh, this is a brand new way to do a burger with a mushroom as the patty. So yes for that, no for the fake stuff. BK, I know you used to be all veggie. Yeah, when I was vegan for a while, I I never really got the imitation stuff, to be honest. I just ate plants. Um, Every once in a while, I'll have a Beyond Meat. Not in love with them, but they're fine. How's the meat now? Now that you're now that you're off it. Now that you're not vegan anymore, and you kill mosquitoes. Uh, yeah, the chicken and stuff's great. Um, tasted kind of funky when I went back to it. Um, took a while actually to get used to. Um, but my extreme burst of energy really helped, so I kept doing it. Yeah, yeah, that was the big thing you noticed, right? Was the energy level came yeah. back. Some people like to take the vegan diet very seriously, like this guy on Parks and Recreation, the TV show. I'm a yoga nut. And I'm a nut nut. <laughs> they make delicious milks, man. And I'm a vegan, of course. Slowly working towards full freegan vegan. What in God's name is freegan vegan? You only eat vegetables that have been thrown out in people's dumpsters. <laughs> <laughs> and some people take being a vegan very, very seriously, like this lady who went viral on TikTok after this little remix. Eat! Vegetable. Very good. Bang. Well done. Very good. Uh, one man who lives for the vegan way of life is New York City Mayor Eric Adams. The mayor promoted the diet during a press conference on Monday while also announcing new lifestyle medicine services at some city hospitals. Don't worry about what's on Mayor Adams' plate. Put these items on your plate. Because... I'm living a healthier lifestyle, and I'm encouraging New Yorkers to have as many plant-based meals as possible because the science is clear. The more you eat plants, the more you eat fruits, the more you have a healthy lifestyle away from over-processed food, the healthier you are going to be. I know how I feel every day, and I want you to feel the same way. Just one thing, and we don't have this part of it on tape, unfortunately, but the mayor did say this during a promo shoot. I don't have this great self-discipline. Food is like a drug. You take someone on heroin, put them in one room, and someone hooked on cheese, put them in another room, and you take it away. I challenge you to tell me that the person who's hooked on heroin and who's hooked on cheese. Oh, oh dear. (laughs) No. What? Um, yeah. Okay. Um, interesting. Reactions have been pouring in about this. Writer Tom Ricks said, I'm into the hard stuff. Aged Parmesan and old Gouda. Is there anywhere I can get help? I think the, uh, the shift is always better when there is a cheesy pun. Okay. Heroin and cheese. Really? Yeah. No, this was too far. Like I get it. Cheese is incredible, but not the same. Not even close, man. Eric, come on now. (laughs) This is the Shift Podcast. I don't know if you follow the stonks being all hip. I'm being 100. That's dope. That's fire. Follow the stonks recently. Um, But last week, Facebook lost more than one quarter of its value. Now, to put that into some perspective, Facebook losing value in the realm of about $250 billion, that realm of Zuckerberg losing, <laughs> Zuckerberg losing personally as much value, and you thought you had a bad day, losing as much in value or more than more, most of the companies on the stock exchange are worth. 
And he's just one of these stockholders. So think about that for a second. A quarter of the value of Facebook. Why would that happen? Things are not going very well for Facebook. How are things going in the world of social media, mediated reality? Jesse Miller is back on the shift. How you doing, big guy? Hey, buddy. I'm feeling pretty good right now. I mean, uh, I'm hunkered down. I'm comfortable. Uh, everybody's happy and healthy. So from this vantage point, the world looks okay. If I was uh, out in the wilderness, I'd feel a little bit different, but uh, we're going to talk about social media, so I'm in a good spot. So um, a quarter of its value for Facebook, staggering to think that it's, you know, $250 billion, um, just like that, gone. Do you know what happened since you you live in this social media <laughs> teaching world? Yeah, well, Facebook had to release some some internal documents and they had to have a state of the union based on their quarterlies. And Zuckerberg gets up there and, and starts talking about the reason why they're they're uh, slipping a little bit. And he proceeds to blame Apple. He goes into privacy concerns with how Apple requires them to adhere to certain standards to maintain their their presence on the App Store, on the Apple side of things. And, um, you know, that pivot, that blame um, very much caught, caught the attention of, the, of, of those investors. Uh, but on the other side of it, too, you know, Facebook's always been very good at copying uh, whatever is kind of current and trending and a threat to them. They either copy it or they buy it. So when they tried to buy Snapchat, they offered uh, Evan Spiegel $3 billion in cash and say, hey, we want Snapchat. They said no. They went public and Spiegel became a 15 billionaire in the first day of trading. But Facebook tried to launch something that was kind of like Snapchat and it failed horribly. Uh, Instagram, which they did buy, uh, is finding a lot of success right now with Reels um, in, in the way that the content itself is inter interconnected to your story and your use of Instagram. But the thing of it is, is that it's a lot of it's actual TikTok content. So uh, Zuckerberg also had to kind of highlight that, yeah, we're finding success with, with Reels, but we're also having to flag it because it's from a different platform. And that's where things get a little bit interesting, because if Reels is similar to TikTok, well, why aren't we just on TikTok as opposed to using the knockoff Facebook products? So more and more, these are the kind of dialogues of what's Facebook's current market. And I've said it for ages, old people are on Facebook, cool people are on Instagram. But even then, Instagram started getting a little bit old for my liking in certain ways. And uh, the kids are noticing that, which is why the kids are loving TikTok. And they're slowly vacating that Instagram foothold that Facebook had. Now, with Instagram, or excuse me, with TikTok, they're starting to do the purchase uh, opportunity, right? So the yeah. uh, product placement stuff, buy it here, buy it now. It's turning from being a super cool, not big brother feeling kind of, you know, marketing experience and slowly becoming the giant billboard that it was intended for, which is to sell stuff. That's what happened with Instagram, right? Instagram was kind of this picture book or magazine, glossy magazine of everybody's life. Now, all of a sudden it's nonstop. Like you can't really see very much on Instagram that doesn't include, Hey, by the way, buy something. Yeah. And, so, and I think I was going to say there, there is a part of that too, in the sense of the monetization process, like they do require a lot of ad revenue to, to go through their platforms, whatever the platform be, whether it be WhatsApp or Facebook or Instagram, and not as many people are buying through those platforms as they were maybe a year ago during the pandemic. It's amazing to think that it's sort of this natural progression, right? Like we start out cool and fresh with our idea, then we eventually have to become like everybody else and start selling things and start selling more ads. I mean, I know that my reels on Instagram, I mean, I don't know about you, but I my first reel I look at, or a story, I suppose, which is usually real. Uh, but the first story I look at is always that of a friend that I follow. And the second one is always an ad with three parts. And yeah. the, like the, the formula is becoming a little predictable and you're getting buried. Yeah. And, and interestingly enough, I mean, I, I try and lean a little bit more towards stories than I do reels. I, I'm, I'm a little bit more inclined to still look at a static photo as opposed to uh, something that a friend of mine has kind of curated. And, and again, maybe that's just the, the audience that I have. 
uh, in the interact with. But the thing of it is for me is that I, I actually am stimulated by a lot of the people who are doing well still on that real platform. I'm interested to see how they're going to kind of keep a market. And just as an example, there's a guy in Denmark that I follow and I, th- I think he's awesome. He's, he's a guy in his fifties and he's got uh, uh, modeling contracts, things like that, but he makes fun videos that I kind of uh, connect to because I'm like, Hey, I'm in that age demographic and, and I'm feeling connected to some of the things he's posting. I like some of the brands that he represents and I noticed more and more I'm getting content from Denmark, from Norway, from Sweden, stuff that I traditionally wouldn't necessarily get. And it was all kind of discovering this one thing. Now I've seen his TikToks, his TikToks are good as well, but he gets more engagement on his reels. And again, that's still that age demographic. So I think partially Facebook is recognizing that there is a lot of purchasing behaviors that their their clientele are, are keen to kind of participate in, but it's going to be really hard to get away from um you know, the mid thirties individual who found their way to TikTok after they got comfortable on Instagram, because those, those, those adults aren't leaving TikTok. They love it as much as they hated it two years ago. So. Have you noticed, um, at least I've observed Facebook doesn't seem to be updating. Like there seems to be nothing really new about Facebook, except for the fact that, you know, your chats are more integrated. You can make the calls and stuff, but really the, I get represented with the same, uh, things you might like again and again and again, the, the real, which essentially are Instagram reels being presented on, on Facebook, uh, are the same over and over and over again. Like the algorithm doesn't seem to have grown up in the last year and a bit, and it doesn't seem to change much. And it's terrible. Like the stuff that gets suggested for me on Instagram, it's it's usually pretty good It like, if I go look at airplanes, all of a sudden I'm seeing a lot of things about airplanes, right? But if I, and I went and the, the, some of the settings, the advertisers use must not be set up properly because I had gone shopping in my browser from the Bay and then, um, with cookies and all those things that go on in the background, I started receiving a bunch of Bay ads on my Instagram account, totally typical, but I was getting women's clothes on Instagram, even though I was only shopped the men's clothes section on my browser. So maybe the marketer had a wrong checkbox or something like that. I don't know. But I guess what I'm, my point is, is well, that how be, is it, it could also be your network. My network? Like because of my daughter. Yeah. I mean, your daughter, yeah. And uh, it's all, sometimes it is the way that our devices kind of handshake and the things that we hear. Uh, you know, there's TVs, smart TVs, they hear advertisements. They look at uh, emails that you send. And sometimes it is suggestions based on time of the month too. I mean, think about it right now. we got Valentine's Day kind of encroaching on us. Sometimes that is the stuff that gets posted as well for uh, a little nudge to the guy who might forget. So, And how they start to tie all those things together. But it still doesn't explain the fact that why is Facebook so bad? Well, that's the thing. So Facebook, it actually might be one of those things where Facebook is tired of maybe being Facebook. Like that's maybe that's where we are. It's it, it was ba- built on a static idea of looking at people. Now we're mobile. Facebook mobile sucks. I hate Facebook mobile. I always have. Uh, I was I was happy that uh, Instagram kind of became you know what I think Facebook should have been in the sense of the mobile uh, switch and in, in the reality of our connected world. But that said, I'm I always feel too old for Snapchat. And Twitter is not as engaging as, as Instagram. So in certain ways, Facebook, as we know, it might be actually getting ready to pivot away from that. But you have to keep in mind here, we're still looking at a very North American spectrum. WhatsApp is the largest communication platform in India. It's the largest communication platform in the Philippines. It's the largest communication platform across the Middle East, essentially. And for end-to-end encrypted uh, uh, conversations, for connecting with family on on the cheap, um, Facebook still owns a big chunk of that market. And even then, when we think about the way that Facebook and Meta test things, like they make sure that there's free internet available for Facebook as a primary. So all throughout Africa, like if you have inconsistent data connections, Facebook makes sure that when you're on WhatsApp, your message is the first thing that gets sent out when your phone reconnects to a network. And it seeks out networks that are Facebook primary, meaning that Facebook itself has actually made sure that the network will be available for their WhatsApp communications. So in that pivot to meta, there's been a lot of little purchases along the way where uh, Facebook has really recognized that they might have to pivot. So they bought a company called Private Core a couple of years ago, uh, which was all about uh, encryption and making sure that information stayed uh, uh, protected, a lot of uh, cryptography and things like that. And then also Oculus, like they dove into the VR stuff and they're like, well, we'll see where this goes. 
And I think the pandemic actually gave VR a little bit of a nudge in the direction that we might be going because more and more people were at home, more and more people thought about things like virtual learning and what could we do with VR. So there's a positioning there in the sense of gaming, but I think we're getting away from the grandma and uncle complaining on Facebook mentality. And we've seen that this week in, in Canada with the trucker protests in the sense that a lot of the people who are very angry, who a couple of years ago would have aligned with maybe Trump rhetoric of like TikTok's bad, China, 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 a lot of them are producing content on TikTok this week. So it is interesting to see that jump as well. Well, that's amazing insight to think of it that way, that the purchases of these companies go well beyond you know, pictures and, and storylines. But I mean, it's great for a gathering place for us at shiftheads.ca for everyone to share memes and tell stories and try to communicate differently, you know, no politics, you know, so Facebook works really, really well for our group that continues to build online. At the same time, though, you look at WhatsApp and now there's getting more and more spam messages, sale messages, as they integrate it more and more as a sales platform for business too, um, you seem to become more and more accessible all the time. And I'm a WhatsApp user from when WhatsApp was free before they started charging a dollar for it as a promo when it first came out. So, you know, I'm long in the tooth on WhatsApp. It'll be interesting to see what comes up. Is there anything that you're seeing upstream, though, Jesse, that that is uh, exciting or at least um, intriguing? Well, I think on the business side of it, Peter Thiel, who is the original investor with Facebook uh, and and one of the most prominent board members, announced that uh, he is leaving Meta. Uh, he will not be on the board, and there is uh, there is some some dialogue that he's doing it purposely so that he can position his advocacy for a Trump campaign in 2024. Uh, and he is one of the most conservative uh, uh, venture capitalists in, in California, United States. So that's that. there's a part of an interesting dialogue there about maybe we're going to see some platforms develop with that kind of backing. But on the other side, too, it's just the idea that um, maybe Facebook meta is tired of arguing. You know, these companies really get targeted for a lot of things that we in our society want to blame them for. So it's without social media, without, uh, you know, privacy infringement or without the idea that you're giving the people these tools or we wouldn't all be addicted to screens. Uh, in the EU, Facebook is having a, a large problem with concerns around privacy from the European Union. And even this week, or the EU basically say, well, you know, we're going to we're going to start looking at you harder and harder and harder with each thing that you introduce. And now Facebook saying, well, we might pull our services. And then the response was, OK, that solves the problem for both of us. Like, you know, we were concerned about your your platforms. And if you're going to pull service, then that's that's the end of it. Now, obviously, that's not going to happen. But at the end of the day, these are the conversations. And then that turns into what's the stock doing? What are investors worried about? And when investors flee from things that are not bricks and mortar, we always have concerns about where the market's going to go. And I would not want to see a crash similar to what we saw with the dot-com boom, you know, in the late 90s in the sense that people didn't care anymore. We just don't need to do that right now <laughs> because there's enough going on in the world. Well, and there's also, of course, Trump's got his own Twitter style um, communications group that he claims he's working on. Oh, he did that um, with the NFL. fundraised and, a bunch of money. Oh, he did that with football. He does that every time. Who cares? How do you... How do you get a guy who loses money in casinos thinking he's going to revamp something that a twelve a twelve year old kid could build? Like that's the that's for me the issue. Like we've yeah, got I get amazing it, but people kids. still keep pouring money into it. <laughs> yeah, but you know, interestingly enough, I heard this week that you know the reason that we're worried about monies and where the money's come from is that the most extreme individuals in the world right now are open are willing to open up their 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 purse strings for something, right? And you know, we used to kind of knock around on the idea that somebody was investing money in a, in a stupid way. And whether it's Bitcoin or whether it's crypto or whatever somebody's doing where it gets this kind of wrap, we've had success stories. And so, yeah, maybe a platform that's ultra right might get some traction. But is that where we really want to go as a society? Do we want to get to that point where uh, Trump rhetoric is the thing that fuels media? Because unfortunately, we are seeing media aligning more and more with, well, where are our viewers? Where are our people? And if your people are are the ones who are waving a confederate flag or a nazi you know swastika then i'm sorry that's we're, we're all on a very scary path but at the end of the day it doesn't mean that social media is to blame i'm more concerned about the idea that we're not getting good regulation of social media to put in a balance as opposed to these extremes of left and right well and i think to support your point um, would be just to look at how um, certain American news outlets took a big interest in what's been going on in Canada over the last couple of weeks here, all yeah. of a sudden out of the blue, and the money starts pouring in right after that. So uh, there's evidence to all of those things, and um, access to the information is really what the social media is all about. Uh, can, Jesse can I ask yeah, you a question? Go ahead. Are you yeah. tired? Are you tired? 
in general? Yeah. Why? Well, you know what? I'm, I am tired. I'm tired of getting bombarded with stuff. Yeah. And so, so I, that's I always really... call it my, the billboard effect for me. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's, what's interesting. I, I made a comment the other day that, you know, when they introduced 24 hour news, we were always trying to see the gap, like the gap in time, right? And so they always kind of go back to the, you know, the 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 big incident that's happening, and there's the reporter on the scene, and they're always kind of dragging for a little bit more. They just need something more to fill the hour, right? And I think right now with social media, we're seeing the same thing. It seems like everybody's vying for everybody's attention, yet we have so much. We have so much going on. And I think even with the pandemic, that made it more more passive. We were more, you know, center entry in our in our homes, and we're not moving. I got to the end of Netflix. I got tired of seeing things on Twitter. I got tired of seeing people posting the same stuff on Instagram. I'm tired of it, and I kind of want to stop. But the thing is, is that I don't think people are recognizing that if we just choose to stop participating in the free stuff, the stuff that's kind of consuming us. Well, these markets will change and they'll change to a point where maybe they'll actually rebrand for a better good as opposed to keeping people all frothing at the mouth and angry. That's a good tip. Jesse Miller, Mediated Reality. I love it, bud. Thanks for being here as always. As always. Thank you, buddy. This is the Shift Podcast. It's time for us to take a little tour across the Pacific and around the world with Chris Gilbert. Welcome to the International Dispatch from our world citizen. Live from Japan, New Zealand's Chris Gilbert. All right. Chris was not here last week because he got bit by the COVID bug. How you doing, bud? You okay? Um, yeah, I mean, this week I am here physically. Um, I'm here somewhat spiritually. I'm not all here mentally, and you know, at the moment. Like, my mind's not all here, but... Uh, yeah, no, COVID, two years running, it finally caught me. It bit me in my big old Kiwi butt and my mm-hmm. wife as well. So, you know, I have to have mm-hmm. words of COVID about that one. But, you know, I'm doing okay. Sure, why not? So what is the state of COVID in Japan? Because, you know, I, I think that we, when we when this all first started two years ago, we, we knew what was going on all around the world. But now everyone's kind of let that part go. And I, I seem to recall you sharing that Tokyo was in a bit of a bind with skyrocketing numbers. Is is that still yeah. the case? Or did I mishear you? What's going on? Yeah, no, that's happening. I think you're right as well. Like, we don't really have a pandemic anymore. We have, like, many, many, many epidemics. You know, I think that's how we're kind of looking at it in our respective countries, kind of inward looking. But, yeah, Tokyo and Japan now is, is the worst it's ever been here. I mean, it's crazy because... I thought it was bad last summer, like during the Olympics in August, we had about 5,000 cases a day in Tokyo and it was the Delta surge and only about half the population was vaccinated. And I was like, oh my God, it's so bad. And now in Tokyo, we have about 20,000 cases a day. Wow. We had a nice, nice autumn. It was so lovely. We had about 10 to 20 a day. You kind of live your life a little bit again, just relax a little bit. I went to Okinawa and then um, just... As soon as January 1st happened, kaboom, and this Omicron kicked the door in and announced itself and like, yo, I'm here. And like, nobody wants you. And Omicron's like, well, get used to me. I'm going to go everywhere. So that just everybody has it, you know. Back home in New Zealand, I think they're still trying to contact trace, you know, like find out where every single little case comes from. You can't do that here. Like, it's just everybody's got it. And it's just everywhere. Yeah. So, yeah. so put it into context. Um, Tokyo, the city and, you know, closely lying areas has yeah. roughly, thanks Google, 14 million people. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people. Um, but to put that into context here in Canada, that Metro Vancouver has two and a half. Mm. And Toronto, which um, population of Toronto, greater Toronto, is pushing towards six million. Toronto itself is about three million. <laughs> so that, right, like that gives you a little bit of um, it gives you a little bit of context to how big Tokyo is. But at the same time, in the city, twenty thousand cases. Those are big numbers, dude. Yeah, no, I it seems know. inevitable, and that, right? Like it's it, inevitable. It, yeah, it's just funny to me also that Toronto is the same size as New Zealand. In fact, it's bigger. Um, yeah, no, it's it's <laughs> just it's absolutely everywhere. You know, and. I think Japan does do a good job with the mask wearing, right? And I mean, I, I've been wearing a mask around the clock apart from when I'm in my own house for, for a year and a half now, every day. And But 
with Omicron, it just even with the the KN95s, or, and you know, even with the the surgical masks and wearing two, it just does not matter. It just it's like like green berets, you know. They'll find a way in. It's like the Viet Cong. They'll like dig tunnels, you know, to pop up under your nostrils and stuff. And it doesn't matter. It's gonna get you. So yeah, it's, it's big numbers, and it's it's um. I, I and also like I, I've got an uncle who's a little bit older, you know, he's in his seventies and he's back home in New Zealand, and I don't want to be the guy who says everybody's going to get it because that's going to scare people, right? Especially our older generation, you know, you know they're already worried enough as it is. Um, but some part of me does feel like we're all just going to get it now. I mean, everybody and everybody on this show has had it. You know, I finally joined the COVID Cool Kids Club with you guys, so yeah, think, yeah, right. I think that's um. I think that when you, that's the sort of inevitable part where everyone sort of uh, touched in on that, 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 um, you know, it seems inevitable at this point. The question is, what are you going to do about it? Uh, here's a little tidbit that you might not have heard from Alberta as of now, just because of the time delays here, because you're almost at the end of February 9th mm-hmm. in your day. Uh, mm-hmm. We're just yeah, starting yeah. February 9th, right? So on February 8th, the Alberta government announced that the restrictions exemption program the rep, which is the we don't call it a vaccine passport because we said there'd never be a vaccine passport passport, mm-hmm. ends. It's ended now. Technically, no more vaccine passport. What to go? Yeah, to go into places. Yeah. What? Yeah. I'm sorry. Seriously. I'm just. I'm. 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 It's, I mean, it's just. It's just. It's so different in the cycle of COVID everywhere. You like Japan. I think is still like rolling out its vaccine passport. You know, like. Places like every state, every country, every province is just at a, at a different cycle a, or stage of the pandemic. The timeline, and, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely crazy. And I mean, the the one the one hope I do have, without you know belaying the the COVID conversation too long, is is that research that shows that the acute phase of the pandemic is over and the Omicron will be the last uh, you know roll of the dice, so to speak. There might be more variants after this, but you know the ripples, you know become ever ever like decreasing after this you know and i, I get that is the hope that omicron is the last bite of this thing but i tell you what may uh, this time last week i was lying in bed with a 39.2 degree fever just thanking everything that i was vaccinated twice not boosted yet but vaccinated twice and because mm-hmm. if i wasn't vexed may i i cannot imagine how awful this would have been. Um, my friends uh, in Canada, like if you're not vexed, for the love of God, you do not want this thing unvaxed. Please, like, <laughs> for mm-hmm. the for your for yourself, <laughs> for for your health, like just go go get it because um, you know Shane's been there, Ryan's been there, yeah. I've been there. Uh- my yeah, experience was very fun. much the same as Chris's, right? That I can't imagine how I mean how crappy it was when I was vaccinated let alone um if it wasn't so absolutely all right well we can talk about this forever but i think the takeaway really is how the timelines are very very different just so you know it doesn't mean that the the passports are going away they're just not required so some places might keep them of course you know the travel stuff is all the same for international travel the international dispatch with sir christopher gilbert takes us on a tour around the world where we look at wild stories in other places because then it makes it feel better about ourselves. So where are we going? Are we going to your hometown first here? What's going yeah. on? Not my hometown, but my home country. Well, actually, we're talking All about right. the, the Winter Olympics, which obviously are going on at the moment. Um, does the name Zoe sadowski Sinnott mean anything to you guys? Not to me. She is a 20-year-old snowboarder from Wanaka, New Zealand, and on Sunday, she won the women's slope style competition. So that's the one Amazing. where they do some rails at the start, and they yeah, do uh, some jumps at the end. Wait a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. They don't do rails. <laughs> we should probably clarify, they're not doing rails before they start the race. They they ride did, rails. Okay. Um did, Let's did, not accuse did I, them. Did I having... hit a Canadian euphemism? Did I? Did well, I... you hit a cocaine <laughs> euphemism. Actually, doing rails oh. would be a cocaine euphemism. So yeah, let's... no, cocaine doesn't exist in New Zealand yet. It's still an exotic drug. So <laughs> we <laughs> we don't know anything about these these fancy things you have in the developed world. You know, over in New Zealand. 
we're still rolling right. up you know cigarettes of farm grass you know um <laughs> so yes they 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 ride the rails and at the top and you know they might do some rails as well i don't know but then they jump it they jump they do big jumps at the end and she uh, has just won two x games gold medals right before the olympics she went to the olympics she won the olympics she's 20 years old and her dad back in wanaka sean Sinnott. Uh, is proud as punch of his daughter, just absolutely brimming with pride. Uh, he was on live TV in New Zealand on News Hub being interviewed, being asked, "Just how proud are you, Sean?" And uh, this first clip, Brendan, this is what uh, this is what Sean Sinnott had to say about his daughter. Daughter is the first winter gold medalist. Well, the only thing I looked for was uh, Alume's reaction. My uh, her younger her younger sister, she was. A- crazy she just went off the roof how proud are you right now y- your daughter's just become the first kiwi to win a winter gold ever i'm pretty excited to be honest <laughs> old dad sounds smashed yeah he was absolutely sloshed um yeah so just just for the record that's not beeped out like when it was broadcast, that was live. Those are real f bombs that are being dropped here on live television. Um, obviously, we have to broad- uh, we have to uh, bleep it for this broadcast. But I tell you what, it's pretty easy to find. It's all over Zoe's Instagram, Zoe Sinnott's Instagram. If you want to find the original, um, yeah. And uh, Zoe herself, she she thinks her dad was probably quite sloshed as well. Uh, the second club. This is her reaction to it. Um, yeah, I think really that he'd had a few too many uh, drinks at that point, but you can't really blame him. It was Waitangi Day in New Zealand and his daughter just won, won the Olympics. So I, I... Yeah, I love that. Cut. I say good yeah. for him, man. Proud dad. You want to drop an F-bomb? You set it free. Is, like, seriously, is anybody actually going to complain when there's a dad talking about how proud he is about his daughter winning gold at the Olympics when they hear that on the team? I don't think anybody's... I mean, if you if you replayed it and beat it all up and keep using it again and again, it would get tiresome. But if you heard it in live, like in the live scenario, you can't tell me someone would complain about that. No, and I don't think anybody... I mean, Shane, I mean, you and me, something is telepathically... I had the same thought, mate, which is like... How can you be upset about this? And I don't think anybody is. Everybody is incredibly proud, not just of Zoe, but of Zoe's cool dad who drops F-bombs on the air, right? And uh, it's it's all about context, you know, because like when you watch this, and I suggest you do go watch it um, because, you know, he's a really funny looking guy too, not in a mean way, but, you know, he's just like, it's nice to look at him swearing on TV. Um, but you, it's, it's all about context. You know, you, nobody cares about these 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 swears, you know. And, and other contexts, sure, you don't want to be swearing on live TV. But as you said, if you're a drunk uh, dad uh, whose daughter has just won the Olympics and it's Waitangi Day, which is like the National Day of New Zealand, of course he's going to be drunk and swearing on TV. He's, all, he's so happy about it. And he got really, really famous, you know, well, I guess like viral and you know, Rick's Chapman or something in America was talking about him and a lot of snowboarders on Instagram are talking about him. And of course, the media in New Zealand uh, wanted to interview him about uh, his uh, his newfound fame for swearing on the telly. And uh, this fourth clip, Brendan, is uh, a couple of clips of uh, a couple of in- interviews he's been doing this week. Uh, yes, after my couple of F-bombs on the uh, live TV, uh, <laughs> uh, too many whiskeys being <laughs> I slept pretty well. Hey, how has the feedback been on your excellent but slightly profane live interview on uh, News Hub? I'm pretty f- excited, to be honest. Yeah, well, I got woken up by my daughter saying, Have you seen this? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I didn't do an interview. <laughs> awesome. Oh, no. He didn't even remember doing it. That's even better. <laughs> Absolute legend. Like, just uh, coolest coolest dad in the world. So, great family, you, by the way, that looks like. Can you imagine the feeling when he watched it for the first time and just went, oh, no. That's become the story <laughs> of his daughter's gold. <laughs> That's oh, me. Oh, man. I just, if, he, if he was that drunk in the interview, I wouldn't know what the reaction was when Zoe landed her last jump, her last backside 1080. I think that house must have just exploded. Um, so cool. I will say... I will say though, just just to, just while talking about um, swears and snowboarding, 
Uh, I don't know if any, any of you have watched the slope style, snowboarding slope style competition, the men's or the women's. The women are absolutely like wonderful examples of sportsmanship. And, um, you know, I think in Pyeongchang in the last Olympics, they had to do the finals in a snowstorm and it was really, you know, like kind of unfair on the athletes. And when Zoe, Zoe was the last one to run. And when she finished her run, she had clearly scored enough from her, her tricks to, to win the gold. All of the other women who were competing just dogpiled her and, and hugged her and they're all congratulating each other and hugging each other. Right. And it was a really beautiful sight to see that. And I watched the men's because, you know, I'm a snowboarder and I, I like watching these things. And I watched the men's and I was just honestly, absolutely embarrassed. embarrassed. There's a little, little soapbox I'm doing here at the moment. I was so yeah. embarrassed because the women, when they were snowboarding, they fell down and they got back up and they kept going. They had so much poise and so much determination. The guys, if they fell down, they were yelling and swearing and dropping F-bombs. And like at the end, they were doing tantrums. And it was honestly just, and it was weird displays of like toxic masculinity and throwing snowboards and stuff. And then like, I watched some dudes with neck beards on Instagram afterwards being like, that scoring is like a joke and stuff. And I'm like, dude, you're killing snowboarding. It's not fun if you're doing this, you know? So I'm just like, if you guys want to go have a look, look at the end of the um, the women's snowboarding final, the slope style final. Look how they react. And guys, in general, in Canada, all the snowboarding dudes out there, just have a shave and just straighten up a little bit. Fly right. Don't be douchebags. You know, don't throw tantrums. Don't swear. Don't be so broy. Just enjoy sliding down the hill. And then you get to ride a little chair back up again. It's fun. It's like bouncy castles for adults. What are you swearing for? Honestly. And that's my little soapbox about snowboarding. I couldn't agree with you more. Nothing better than gravity. Why um, why wreck it? So Christopher Gilbert yeah, is fun. in uh, is in Tokyo. It's the International Dispatch. Where are we going around the world? Because I really kind of want to get all of these in, and we're a little short on time. Okay. So let's bang out a couple all quickies. Right. Okay, let's do it real quick. Uh, Siberia. <laughs> yeah, I like this story. We'll do it real quick. Uh, Siberian zoo scraps mascot vote after orangutan becomes opposition hero is the headline. Um, so there's a vote at the Siberian zoo, and uh, it's called, I'm not going to pronounce this correctly, uh, Novosibirsk. Uh, it's Russia's third largest city. Uh, it's having a competition, like a vote of one of the zoo animals for its new mascot. Um, but it's quickly turned political. Because a member of the Russian opposition party, uh, or like an associate, has been like, we must support Batu, the orangutan. He is the candidate who is most suited to the job. And uh, the quote here, apparently, in a YouTube video from this politician is, I guess the backdrop of everything going on in Novosibirsk, I think the orangutan is absolutely the best option. I urge you to support the orangutan, he said in a passionate YouTube video. Uh, Batu is a surprise addition to the ballot. Uh, many voters considered him as an unfitting face for the Siberian capital, but now bloggers and influencers and stuff are getting behind him as the orangutan of the people or the candidate of the people. Um, he has some stiff op uh, uh, opposition, though. Uh, Shilka, the polar bear cub, has suddenly started to enjoy a comfortable lead over Batu. Maybe the, the poles are being fixed here. And then Cyan, the white snow leopard, has netted 25,000 votes in a single day, sailing into the lead. And so there's a bit of um, hanky-panky going on in the, um, the Russian animal elections, which I quite enjoy because really this, this is all politics, isn't it? It's like, I want to vote for the orangutan. Well, the snow leopard has my vote. I think the polar bear club is a more fitting candidate. So um, I thank Russia and its animal world for just doing a more uh, honest and straightforward version of politics for all of us. <laughs> Understanding all the politics. All right, so Christopher Gilbert touring around the world with the International Dispatch. Can we go to Ireland for this one, please? Yeah. Yeah, there's a real-life Weekend and Bernie situation unfolding in Ireland. Uh, two guys in Gard, uh, Gard, Gardai, or maybe that's the police force. I don't know anything about Ireland. Anyway, got two guys. Force, the two, the two Irishmen walk into a bank, all right? Okay, they, they walk in, uh, and, and they want a pension. Uh, and they want a dead person's pension. 
and uh, they're like, no, you can't have this person's pension, uh, the, the bank knowing nothing about this person being dead. Um, this was 11.30 a.m. on Friday. Two guys walk in. They ask for the pension. The Irish Times reported he was refused. Staff informing him the pensioner needs to be present for the money to be collected. The men then returned soon after with a third man, one of whom uh, appeared to be in his 60s. And then, and then the man seemed quite strange almost like he was being propped up the reason being it was the corpse of the pensioner uh no cash was handed over two men fled the scene abandoning the man's body after a woman had become suspicious and raised the alarm with a staff member uh the deceased man is reported to have been well known to the men who had been carrying his body and they're still investigating so two guys walk into a bar with with one of their mates who's dead you know, like on puppet strings or like maybe with a rod up his back being like, yeah, I'm Mr. Glencolic. I would like to take my pension, please. And they were like, oh, that's obviously a corpse. And like, no, it's not. Look over there. And they run away, dropping the corpse behind them. So uh, I can't believe this really happened, to be honest. But well, it happened. I feel like I need to defend the, the weekend at Bernie's guys because the one thing they would never have done would have been abandoned the corpse and left. That's true. The weekend at Bernie's dude, dudes showed more commitment than these two um, fraud, pension fraudsters, and and they're not even real, you know. So if you're gonna, if like that's true, if you have the audacity and the gumption and the gall to carry a corpse into a bank you were just in previously asking for money, mm-hmm. at least commit to it, you know. Be like, no, nah, this is him. He's just sleeping something anything horse tranquilizer he's fine he's just he had a hard night you know but no they dropped the body and ran and you know i think next time they should show a little bit more backbone i would i think it's fantastic larry and richard by the way larry wilson richard parker and the body of bernie lomax from weekend at bernie's okay let's uh let's we have time here let's uh but we're short but let's get the last one done because i love it with the international dispatch sir christopher gilbert okay okay uk town has too many cannabis farms and so the power is being cut uh uk still obviously they don't have i don't i don't think the uk has legalized weed yet new zealand doesn't i assume the uk doesn't but uh in three months in this uk town of rotherham i can never tell i can't pronounce anything you know rotherham um 61 cannabis farms have been shut down uh, because residents in Rotherham are experiencing regular power cuts because the drug dealers are stealing energy for their cannabis farms. Uh, Since October 2021, police have shut down 61 farms and seized 6,797 plants with an estimated street value of £6.8 million in the South Yorkshire town. Uh, Operation Grow, excellent name, has resulted in officers arresting 25 suspected drug producers working with 17 gangs. There's 17 gangs in South Yorkshire. You know, like the Skellywags and the Hooligans and the Ruffians and 14 others. And 10 uh, prosecuted and two were jailed. Um, Peaky Blinders. Put that on your list, too. Oh, yeah. There's a quote in this article, which is so awesome. I can't. Oh, I love this one. One local resident said, "Uh, the power's been going out every day on and off like a Christmas light. There's no cooking, no cleaning, no radiators because the gas and boiler uses electricity. I like this bit. You could do anything. So you can't do anything. You just have to wait until they turn the power back on. But I'm not going to report it because I'm not a snitch. And oh my God, that person is my new hero. Right up there with Sean Sinnott, Zoe's dad. Because he knows there's 61 weed farms in his town. And he's going to suffer through not having his morning tea. You know, which is like religion in England. Because he's not, he's that dedicated to not being so snitch. I salute you. There is one obvious solution to this problem. Legalize weed. There you go. You have it, you have oh, it from me. Legalize weed. I all thought, goes away. I thought your solution would have been to just roll a blunt and be done with it. But I got nothing to do. No power. <laughs> what should I do? Let's just get high. So you might as well. I, I, I would say that, but I'm currently in Tokyo. So if I say that out loud, I might get deported from the country. It's so tight here. <laughs> Sir Christopher Gilbert, live from Tokyo, Japan. He's from New Zealand, and he is here on The Shift. Thanks so much, Chris. Feel better, buddy. really appreciate you coming back on. Yeah, see you guys next week. I'll have a nice rest. 
Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. 